That was good. Amen. But God is good. And all the time. Amen. We're going to see amazing days. This is just the beginning where we're going to see great miracles, great things. A lot of people saved. A lot of people baptized. Every single miracle catch. We're going to see baptisms. We're going to see healings. We're going to see the glory of God. Demons coming out. People being free. People being blessed. And us living a more happier life with Jesus than any other person who lives without Jesus. Can somebody say amen? This is going to be also an incredible week for us. On Friday night, we're going to have an awesome prayer. Also on this Friday nights, we have younger leaders who preach here. And then we pray our hearts out for people. And then on Sunday, it's going to be the prayer line. How many of you excited for the prayer line? Yes. <clears throat> prayer line is once a month, we have people coming for prayer line from all around the United States, even other countries for prayer. We pray for people and we uh, pray with the medium of the anointing water and we see demons come out of people. Like last time it was something that was, it was mind-blowing because it was the first time we've seen it here when a 10-year-old girl was possessed with some 25 demons and they came out of her and she fell and she could not recognize her mom. We brought her mom and she said, that's not my mom because the demon was in her and when she was free, we put her mom and she with tears in her eyes hugged her mom and says yes this is my mom you could see a completely different person we see people you know at these prayer lines who are healed from diabetes people who healed from deafness people who get healed of asthma people who get healed of blindness and people who get healed of all other diseases people who get free from like demonic voices like there was one woman jasmine i think was her name she was from california but originally from fiji and because her grandpa was a witch doctor at night she would have a, a, like a figure drag her from the bed and torture her on the floor. Her husband was a pastor and he shared that he would see at night some figure but it wasn't like physical but it was something that he could see torture her and so the moment we started to pray for her and it's going to be exactly the same way this Sunday a demon started to speak out from her that turns out that it was like this demon that went through her grandpa who was a witch doctor and today when we followed up on her this woman is free. No more figure, no more torturing her, no more dragging her out of the bed. She's a free woman. And so this Sunday, I want you to be prepared. I want you to bring your father, your mother, check the dog at the door and bring everybody. And we're going to have a revival. We're going to have the glory of God touch people's lives. Amen. And somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Put your hands together one more time for Jesus Christ. And so those of you who have never been baptized or you've just walked, I know that in the last few months we had people give their lives to Jesus. Next month, last Wednesday is going to be the time where you need to get super dunked in the water for the glory of Jesus. Amen. We're going to have an awesome, awesome time. Without um, much do, without much do, let's take a time and I'm going to revisit the story that I addressed on Friday night prayer. I usually don't speak on night prayer our pastor does and we have our wonderful leaders but this time I spoke a little bit and so I just wanted to revisit that same story and bring a few thoughts with you if you have your Bible let's go to Luke chapter 5 verse 5 actually verse 10 and verse 11 it says the following and Jesus said to Simon it was after Simon Peter uh, went and started fishing and then he didn't couldn't catch anything Jesus told him to go into the river and catch into the lake and catch fish and then they caught a lot of fish and Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they had brought their boats to land and they forsook all 
and followed him now this word follow means a lot different today when somebody says follow me we immediately think of a phone follow me on twitter follow me on instagram and follow me on facebook uh, that's not what this means this actually means following jesus not having him on your facebook and posting a selfie and putting underneath a verse from the bible or some quote that's supposedly from the bible that is not what following jesus means here it means actually they followed every step of the way and they did exactly what jesus did because somebody say amen let's say this prayer out loud after me say lord jesus open my heart to your word lord jesus open my heart to your spirit and lord jesus open my heart to your faith amen and this story is a very unique story because Jesus comes in the life of Peter and he comes to him though theologian theologians agree that this was not a first time where Jesus met Peter he met him previously but he comes to him and rents his boat and at this time Peter is facing very big failure in his life Peter was fishing all night and the Bible says he caught nothing now it would be fine if you're fishing all night and you caught nothing be completely cool if I was fishing all night and caught nothing but Peter was a fisherman Peter was good at this he caught nothing and Jesus comes at that point and tells Peter to go and launch into the deep and you will catch great fish and I want us to just kind of bring up a few lessons from this story uh, to our application today number one is that when you fail do not quit do not quit after you fail Peter just failed and Jesus does not come down to the level of his failure. Jesus does not connect with his failure. Jesus sees beyond the failure into something that is about to happen. I want you to notice that winners are not those who don't fail. Winners are those who do not quit. Everyone, there's a quote there. Winners are not those who never fail, but those who never quit. Every single person, winners are not those who don't quit, but those who don't give up. Okay, I think that I just typed it wrong. Let's press delete on this part. <laughs> Error, didn't take the picture of this, that's good. <laughs> what, what they're supposed to say is the winners are not those who don't fail. Winners are those who do not quit everyone fails but some people quit you know Peter and Judas failed Judas traded Jesus for 30 shekels and Peter cussed the servant girls out and and betrayed Jesus three times this said I have no idea who this man is both of them failed but one of them quit we all fail but winners are not those who simply never fail winners are simply those who just refuse to quit they refuse to give up I think it was um, Oprah Winfrey she was fired from her job on the television at the age of 22 and you know what they said about her she will be unfit for television she's doing pretty good <laughs> for her on television Michael Jordan actually was kicked out from his high school basketball team Steve Jobs was removed from the very company he started RH Macy's started seven businesses and they failed before he started the business that we all know now as Macy's. A guy named Sochiaro, I probably just butchered his name, Sochiaro Honda was actually turned down from a job at, as an engineer at Toyota. 
And guess what he did? Went into his garage, started to work on scooters. The scooters started to become, you know, somewhat good. And people encouraged him, why don't you start your own business? And some of you drive his car, Honda. That's his car. Winners are not those who don't fail. They're just those who don't quit. They find a way. You know, a guy who is, uh, we know today as um, David Sanders, you know, he had his secret recipe for chicken and it was rejected 1,900 times before a restaurant accepted it. That is the famous fast, the fast food restaurant. Thomas Edison was told he was too stupid to learn anything. Albert Einstein could not speak until he was four and did not know how to read until he was seven. You know, the guy who started Starbucks, he was turned down by 242 banks who refused to give him a loan. The Walt Disney guy, actually, he was called by teachers not having an imagination. And he was turned down by 302 banks before he got a loan. But if you ask a lot of these people, why did you guys not quit? And you will find out a very interesting thing about a lot of these guys is, that, is this, is that if you would know that the next time you do it, you will succeed, would you quit? Of course not. It's just many times the reason why we quit is because we lack hope that things can actually get better. People don't commit suicide because their life is hard. They commit suicide because they're convinced it will not get better. When you fail, when you make a mistake, when things do not go your way, when things just really just bottom falls out, you have to be convinced of one thing. Winners are not those who do not fail. They're simply those who do not quit. This also reminds me that when things go wrong, don't go with them. Go with God. When things get, went really bad with Apostle Peter, he was an apostle at the time, he was just a fisherman. And Peter was spending time with his nets and really just immersing himself into this, just spending time with that. And then Jesus comes along and he says, Peter, come on, get, get your mind off of that. Go into the deep. I'm sending you there. The challenge that we have is when things go bad in our life, when things go really bad in our life, is we tend to go along with them. Failure is an event. It's not a person. Failure is an event in your life. It's not your identity. Even sin, it doesn't have to define you. Even something really, really bad that happened in your life, it doesn't have to be the place that you go into as well. Many times what happens is that when something bad happens, we go with it. But Jesus is there on the side and says, listen, I know that this has happened last night, but I am on your side and I can give you hope. Things can get better. Things, you can see things turn around for you. You know that the next thing you're going to do, Peter, is actually going to give you so much fish that your boat will crack? Would you give up if you had that assurance? Of course you wouldn't give up. And with Jesus, you can have that assurance. With Jesus, you can have the assurance that your present circumstances are not the profit of your future meaning you cannot look at how you were grew up you cannot look at how much money you make in the kind of job you have the kind of circumstances surrounding your birth you cannot look at that to determine how your life is going to turn out if that would be the case then Rahab should have been lived her life in prostitution but she lived her life being recorded in the bible as a great grandmother of king david why when things go bad don't go with them go with god but many of us, when things go bad, instead of talking to God, we talk to our feelings. 
instead of relying on Jesus we rely on our circumstances instead of trusting in God's word we trust in the opinions and the words of people there's one thing I've noticed and I have not lived very long but I've noticed a few things about three kinds of things my feelings people and my circumstances these three I have learned through few years of experience all three change people can be your friends today and tomorrow can put you in jail or people today can curse you make fun of you and tomorrow will be your best friend people are like with apostle paul a snake a snake bit him and they said he's a murderer he shook off the snake didn't suffer any harm and they said he is god that's how people are they're not stable that means whether they like you don't like you you cannot throw yourself into what people do or what people not do they say i'll never come to the church <laughs> say oh, watch me i won't make you i'll talk to somebody who can <laughs> i'll never do that the word never i know justin bieber wrote that song or something or something with the film never say never but don't never say never because people change the only thing who does not change is god can somebody say amen and same thing about your feelings your feelings today can be so bad but tomorrow can change and so Peter is there things are going wrong and Peter is going along and Jesus says listen Peter come over here go with what I say when things are bad when things are challenging I want to ask you right now please do not put your feelings on the level with God's Word God's Word doesn't change whether you're sad depressed or happy God's Word is still the same whether you have a lot of money in the bank account or you're standing with a poster by Walmart asking help me to get to California. There's one thing about God's word, it's still the same. Your feelings are not. And those of you who are feeling down, it's amazing if I will give you a thousand bucks, how happy you will be. It takes a thousand bucks and your feelings change. It doesn't take a thousand bucks for God to change. God never changes. And so when things go wrong, go with God. When things go south, go north with God go with Jesus and Peter is noticing things are going really bad here but Jesus is saying Peter let's go on this side when things go wrong go with God men don't drown by falling into water men drown by staying there you're not gonna your life is not gonna be over because you made a mistake or because some things were done they were really bad to you your life is gonna only get over when you choose to live there it's not over until God says it's over and God doesn't say it's over God is on our side and he wants to help us don't quit when things get hard don't quit when you fail don't quit when things are just very very slow why because the God is beside you the same God who was with Peter is the same God who is with you and when you are there dumbling in your faults you're over there rehearsing and nursing your wounds and writing all of these sad songs and sad poems God is standing there and says are you done because we can do some miracles we can do some changes he's like and see the problem with Peter is the same problem probably you have at least I do you look at Jesus you look at Jesus you're a fabulous preacher amazing but you know nothing about the fish you know nothing about the fish if you would know something about fish you would never send a fisherman during the day to catch fish Jesus you're an amazing speaker you are an awesome rabbi you're a rabbi a plus but fisher f minus 
because if you would know nothing anything about fish you would never send an experienced fisherman Jesus you're insulting me what do you know about fish Jesus stick to your business let me mind my business and let's keep these two worlds from colliding and most of us that is how we treat God we come to God and we feel like God what do you know about life what do you know about pain what do you know about having a mom or dad that died what do you know about rejection what do you know about being abused and physically insulted what do you know about how to raise children what do you know about health what do you know about sickness and we feel like what what does God know about this I mean he hasn't lived really he knows everything he may not be the jack of all trades but he's the master of all of them Jesus knows everything and at that day Peter learned one thing Peter does not know everything Jesus does Jesus who drives away demons who heals the sick and Jesus also knows more about fish than I do Jesus knows more about my physical body than I do oh he's never which university did he study he didn't study in the university but he designed your body and he knows how to fix it does Jesus know something about marriage he created it and he knows how to mend it does Jesus know how to raise up kids he has billions of them he has a lot of experience does he know about rejection he was rejected does he know about abuse he was abused does he know what it what it's like to be verbally and physically abused mm -hmm. check that has complete experience on his resume he knows everything a lot more than we give credit to him and it's it's a, it's about time we invite him in and say Jesus I am struggling your help will be appreciated and he's always there to say yes amen and we see that's exactly what happens with Peter is Peter at the at the end almost at the end of his robe Peter is failed and Jesus comes in there he changes his circumstances and then when Peter succeeds through Jesus Peter catches a big amount of fish things are going really really good we see something that we've read today in verse 11 of chapter 5 of Luke that Peter leaves everything and goes after Jesus now it seems like it's a completely opposite because in this world if you are doing really bad you quit if you're doing really good you continue but in this story we see everything opposite when he was doing really bad Jesus says let's continue and when he's doing really good Jesus says let's walk away in the world and in God it's a little bit different in God's kingdom if you want to live you have to die if you want to be first you have to be last if you want to be on the top you have to be on the bottom if you want to get you have to give if you want to reap you have to sow it's kind of opposite the world has it upside down God has it right side up God has it the right way and Peter walks away from the booming fishing business I mean the fishing business is booming things are going really good and Peter just walks away and he follows Jesus why would anybody in the right mind live a good life to follow some man who's going around and preaching why would anybody in the right mind leave a successful business and follow a man who's about to start a religion do we need another religion in the world have we not had enough of them why I want to know Peter leaves everything and follows Jesus Peter leaves everything and follows Jesus quits his job sells his house gives away his horse 
probably kills a donkey gets rid of everything and the only thing Peter does is tells Jesus everywhere Jesus is that's where Peter's at why why we don't do that and maybe not practically physically that we sell our house and we because there's no physical Jesus and walk around maybe or work in the church but what does it mean to us to sacrifice our life for God and why is that modern Christianity today tends to shy away from that principle to shy away from that lifestyle one of the reasons I think is because we are self-entitled we believe everything is about us and we believe that we own everything when in reality we own nothing and God owes everything nothing is really yours everything is his I think it, there was this joke that God and atheists had a competition and atheists said that they could create um, a human using evolution better than God and so they got together and God brought his dirt and atheists brought their dirt and God says wait you gotta go get your own dirt he said that dirt is mine when you think about it, nothing is really yours now when you hear that you're like yeah of course that's what preacher would say plus it's in church but think about it did you make this earth were you there when they designed it did your was your opinion included in creating law of gravity you were not here this earth is his you are his your birth you didn't choose and your death you won't either now you may say but I choose when I die you may choose when your physical body dies but you will never be able to choose when you die because you won't die you are not your own when you live with the idea your life is yours your money is yours your car is yours your mind everything your body is yours guess what you're gonna do you're gonna mock at the idea to come for prayer mock at the idea me live for God why because it's my life it's written in constitution pursuit of my happiness I deserve it we have commercials everywhere you owe it give it to yourself you deserve this and so we come with this mindset to the bible and we see jesus says pick up the cross follow me you're like no it's my life why would i want to do that but when you realize that it's not yours but it's his and it's been only given to you for a short period of time you begin to treat it differently and you don't give to god you only return to god what's already his everything is already his money resources the gold the silver everything is his and God lets us use it it's not yours and you don't get God you don't give to God to borrow it it's amazing how when something is not yours how less stressful you are but when you have your own rental place and you get a text message from one of the tenants that the sewer is clogged up or something your heart stops beating for a few seconds when you have a place that you are managing for someone else and it's not yours your heart doesn't skip a beat you don't even look over that text message you're like well I'll take care of that later it's amazing how you stop caring for something that you manage but it's not yours I know something about YouTube videos you know we have a one YouTube video from Mel Bond when he was here and he spoke it get probably 70,000 views so many thousand views we have comments on that video every single day half of the comments are always negative people say things about his sermon they're just bad I never read those comments and I don't care but you put a comment on my sermon 
I'm not going to sleep at night. I'm going to be praying about it, rebuking about it, cleansing my heart for it. And, and it dawned on me today because there was one more comment that came up about his sermon. And I'm looking and I was like, who cares? I don't even bother to delete the comment or block the person. I was like, who cares? Let them comment whatever they want. But the person, the moment somebody looked at my sermons and they said, it's a heresy. I'm like, who is that? Where's that person? We got to block him out of it. We, we cannot let him come close to our channel. And I'm like, why am I so personal? Because see, this is mine both are videos on our channel one I manage the other one I own that's exactly how it happens with life when you begin to take ownership of your life and you say it's mine then you're responsible God takes full responsibility for the life fully surrendered to him but when you begin to come to God and you say Lord it's mine but it's given to me from you something begins to happen a shift begins to happen because somebody say amen but also I want to remind you with another thought from this a chapter from this verse is that many people love Jesus as their Savior but will not submit to him as their Lord many people are like Peter Jesus comes and come and fill my boat with fish and the moment the boat is filled the moment things are going good Jesus come and heal me and the moment the health improves and everything is going good we seem to put Jesus aside when there is no job we're like oh God please help me to give a job and then we got three now of course we don't have time for Jesus we don't have time for the Bible and we don't have time for the church we don't have time to tithe why because we need to pay our bills and Jesus goes on the side we love Jesus as a Savior but we don't submit to him as a Lord why did Peter gave up everything that he had it was not just because Jesus helped him but because Jesus called Peter called Jesus this name master not just a helper, healer, savior, deliverer and my blessed Jesus. He said master and when Jesus becomes more than just your helper but becomes your master, guess what happens? Your life becomes his and his becomes yours. Many people would leave Jesus to keep fish. Peter left fish to keep Jesus. Why? Because when you get Jesus you can always get more fish but when you got fish the fish will churn against you. Judas left Jesus so he can keep the fish. What did the fish do? It killed him. But Peter said, I'm going to leave the fish so I can keep Jesus. And guess what that fish, what that happened? His life was changed. He made a difference in his world and you will do the same. Many people fall in love with their life instead of falling in love with the giver of it. Jesus Christ. Your life will end. It was come, it will leave just like this. Just like this it will be gone all of our lives will end the, the question today is this do you live for the giver of it or do you live obsessed with its gift and Peter had a business he let it go why because he was living for something greater than this one more thought that uh, pastor brought up on Friday night prayer one of the things that make our sacrifices worth a while and why we sacrifice is we have a greater vision we have a vision of eternity you can't go up without giving up you can't go up without giving up meaning Jesus is telling Peter to leave the fish and let's go to catch people let's go bring people to God uh, Peter 
let's walk away from you know the fish and fish are not bad but let's go and help bring people to God why because eternal things are more important things that do not die are more important fish are important but people are more important fish they die they live they die but people they live forever people do not die people live forever you must understand one thing is that when we do not see through the eyes that there is life after death then this life we will hoard it spend it on ourselves, be very selfish about it and eventually miss God's full plan for our life it takes an exposure to a different world and once you get exposed to a different world your perspective changes one of the guys who went to a mission trip the year before I went there in Tanzania, Africa. Uh, he went there, had a lot of suitcases of clothes and everything. When he got exposed to the poverty in that nation, when he got exposed to how difficult and how hard people and life there for people, he left back all of his suitcase he left in that country. And right in the airport, as the one of the pastors was giving him a hug, he noticed that the pastor had holes in his shoes. He took off his shoes and gave it to the pastor and went barefoot on the airplane came out in Portland barefoot they said what happened to your shoes he said I gave them away I gave them away why would anybody in the right mind give away your whole suitcase including your shoes and carry an embarrassment of walking in the airport everywhere barefoot why you wouldn't do that but you would if you would be exposed to the same kind of thing he was exposed to why would Jesus ask disciples to go and give your life and follow me? See Jesus lives in eternity and he sees eternity. He sees how important it is. He sees how long it is. He sees how valuable it is and Jesus is challenging his followers to do the same. Until we see through the eyes of eternity, we will never make sense of our sacrifice to God, our value to God. It just won't matter it won't make sense you know and I usually speak a little bit about heaven and a little bit about you know hell from what the Bible says I have never been there I know somebody who has and I want you to hear a story in 1972 my life was uh, broken I was uh, a drug addict I was uh, a criminal. My family was broken. My wife had filed for divorce a couple of times. My children were afraid of me. I really couldn't hold a job. My mental state was terrible. And it was in that uh, frame of life that I took my six-year-old son one night and went down to a little market going inside to purchase some things and on the way in to that market I met a gentleman coming out the door and an argument erupted and uh, before I knew it I had just hit him knocked him down and he fell into a, a stack of bottles the bottles bursted and uh, Immediately he leaped up with a broken bottle and began to stab at me. I lifted my left arm to 
try to stop the, the blow and the bottle actually severed the biceps muscle, the uh, major arteries in my arm and I was bleeding to death in a, just a matter of seconds. But full of anger and hatred and rage, I kept fighting and kept bleeding. My little son was screaming. He was hysterical. But the man that ran the store came over and said, if, if you don't get to a hospital, you'll bleed to death in just a few minutes. So he actually took me in my own automobile to the hospital and when we entered the emergency room, I was barely conscious. And as the uh, medical attendants began to work on me, I could hear their voices. And I could hear them saying, we can't help him. He'll have to be transported to another hospital. Probably will lose the arm. And as they loaded me into an ambulance, my wife had arrived by that time and got in the ambulance with me. But as they pulled out of the parking lot of that hospital, a young paramedic looked down into my face and I could barely see him, I was so weak. But he said, sir, you need Jesus Christ. And I didn't know Jesus, I didn't know what he was talking about. So my reaction to that was to begin cursing. And uh, again, he stated to me, you need Jesus. And as he was talking to me, it, it appeared like the ambulance literally exploded in flames. I, I thought it had actually blown up. It filled with smoke. And immediately I was moving through that smoke as if through a tunnel. And after some period of time coming out of the smoke and out of the darkness, I began to hear the voices of a multitude of people screaming and groaning and crying. But as I looked down, the sensation was looking down upon a, a, a volcanic opening and seeing fire and smoke and, and people inside of this burning place screaming and crying. They were burning, but they weren't burning up. They weren't being consumed. And then the sensation of moving downward into this. But, but the most terrible part of it, I began to recognize many of the people that I was seeing in these flames. As if a close-up lens on a camera was bringing their faces close to me, I could, I could see their features and see the agony and the pain and the frustration. And a number of them began to call my name and said, Ronnie, don't come to this place. There's no way out. There's no escape. If you come here, there's no way out. And I looked into the faces of, of one that had died in a robbery attempt, who had been shot to death and bled to death on the sidewalk. And I looked in the face of two others that had died drunk in an automobile accident. And I looked into the face of others that had died of drug overdoses that we had party together and, and the agony and the pain, but I believe the most painful part of it was the loneliness and the depression was so heavy that there was no hope, there was no escape, there was no way out of this place and the smell was like uh, sulfur, like an electric welder 
and the, the stench was, was terrible. And as I looked at this, I had seen people killed. I had been involved in fights where people were killed. I've done time in prison for manslaughter myself. I grew up basically in a reform school and in a jail cell. I was beat unmercifully as a child by a father that had temper problems and alcohol problems. I was a runaway at 12 years old and I felt like there was nothing in this world that could frighten me. My life was wrecked, my marriage was wrecked, my health was wrecked, but now I'm seeing something that literally scares me to death because I don't understand it. And as I'm looking into this, this pit, this place of fire and screams and, and torment, I just fade out into blackness. And when I open my eyes, I'm in a hospital room in Knoxville, Tennessee. My wife is sitting by. There have been uh, multiple stitches put in my body. My arm was spared. Back to his body in the hospital. And, uh, you know, he looks at his wife and says, I just been to a really bad place. And she's like, well, you're in the hospital. He said, no, 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 no. I've been to something really, really bad. And those images from what he's seen were so graphic on him that he actually started to drink to death for the next two months because he thought he just had a nervous breakdown. And no matter how much drinks he would do or how much drugs he did, they only intensified until uh, after two months he walks into the house drunk again and his wife was sitting on the bed with the Bible and she was reading the Bible and she says, Ronald, I've got the saved. And her face was booming with light and he says, what do you mean you got saved? And she explained to him the gospel, took him to church and on that Sunday he gave his life to Jesus and when he came to the front he said that he felt like all the evil hurt just literally start coming out as he was sobbing and wailing and crying all of that was gone and he said that instant he said I never had a withdraw again for alcohol never had a withdraw again for for drugs and it was just gone and at the end of the video some we will post it on Facebook you can watch it when he said he said I believe the only reason why God did not allow me to die in that ambulance table he said this is what I believe deep inside is not because I deserved a second chance is so that God could spare me so I could live now sharing with other people that eternity is not a joke it's real and if it's real it doesn't just mean that we need to give our life to Jesus and just say Jesus come into my heart and forgive me of my sin that is one part but for us as Christians this simply means we have to live for Jesus because you know how Edder shared today he gave his life to Jesus seven years ago but we all knew Edder, you know, and we love people in our church, those who don't even live for Jesus because that's what we're supposed to do. But at the same time, you don't experience a change as long as you are still in the boat, in the fish and in the nets. And many of us, we love to invite Jesus to come and fix a problem or two, but then we just don't want to give our life away to God. But that's exactly what the Lord wants. He wants us to surrender our life to Him so that He can take control and so that He will use it for His glory. I was thinking today, if hell is real, 
if I would have a glimpse of it, let's say for five minutes, I looked at my phone. I'm like, how would I preach tonight? How would I invite people? How would I pray? How would I worship? How would you live if you would have the experience of this man? You will say, Vlad, see, I don't. But if this experience is not fabricated, you will, but it might be too late. The difference between you and many people who have had this experience is they cannot come back and see their life changed and live something different. You and I can. You may say, I'm not sure about this. Well, one thing you're certain of is you're going to die. That is a certainty. 10 out of 10 people statistically have died which means statistically you and I are gonna face and when you die the Bible says you don't stop existing you just change your address when we moved from Pasco to Richland we didn't evaporate we didn't disappear when we moved from Ukraine to United States you know what happened our address changed when you're going to die it's only your skin it's only your body that's gonna stop functioning but you real you are gonna change address you're gonna go somewhere else and the Bible tells us there's two places that people go to and for us as Christians that tells us that we have to not waste our life but to begin to invite other people to Jesus pray for other people and this is not only to see the church packed sometimes you know people like we seem like we're competing with some other thing this is because people's life it's a mistake. Jesus didn't come to start a big religion. He came because there is heaven and there is hell and he doesn't want nobody to go there. And he says, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna give my life. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Give you guys miracles. Let's convince as many people as possible from following the devil so they can make it into heaven. That is really what the gospel is about. What the church is supposed to be about and what Christianity is supposed to be about. No, we're not salespeople. We are people who when you see somebody in trouble, when you see somebody headed in the wrong way, headed into a path with the devil, that we help them, pray for them and reach out to them. Those who are going to heaven are not better than those who are not. They're just the people who have had Jesus come into their hearts and change their lives. I'm going to ask you right now, please take your life and use it to bring people to Jesus. Take your life and use it to bring your friends to Jesus. This miracle catch is supposed to be when every one of these pews have to be filled. You know why? So that your friends will not accuse you on the last day to say, we played games together. We went to the gym together. We studied together. We watched movies together. We discussed politics together. We fought together. We cried together. But you never ever prayed for me and when your pastor encouraged people to reach out to your friends somehow I was not on the list you loved me but you didn't care about my future what if that's gonna be your case let us not be our case let's be there when we meet our friends when we meet our, our family they will say you know what thank you for praying for me mom thank you for praying for me son thank you for encouraging me in the way of righteousness and today we're not just going to be a family here but we're going to go as a family and spend eternity with God and we're going to bring as many people with us as possible let's be that church let's be that family and let's be those people who will make the difference Peter did it Jesus did it now it's our time
Peter is gone Jesus is in heaven and now the fire has been passed on to us now that this commission has been passed it's in our hands and very soon our life is gonna expire and we're gonna pass it on to another generation we're gonna pass it on to another generation to young kids let's pass on a life and mission to see people give their lives to Jesus Christ to see demons being broken out of people's lives sicknesses being healed out of people's lives and Jesus Christ glorified in our city and Satan being cast out for the glory of God can somebody say amen can somebody say praise the Lord so use your life for the kingdom of God make your life count for the things of God God will take care of your situation God will take care of your life and God will bless it in the ways that you cannot imagine amen guys this video is not to spook anybody but let's wake up I watched a few of them today <laughs> to wake myself up because sometimes I preach this like it's written in a book but it's not here I kind of forget this is real I'm like if this is it then I would understand why Peter would go around crazy saying guys come on we can do this